This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Off the top of this hour, though, really fascinating discovery that we're just hearing about this week. A 99 million year old dinosaur tail. Now, once we start talking about amber and dinosaurs, it certainly calls to mind Jurassic Park. But I guess one thing Jurassic Park was right about is that amber is pretty good about preserving things. Not DNA, unfortunately, but other stuff like mosquitoes, sure, or a dinosaur tail. In this case, though, a baby dinosaur tail. So this story begins in 2015 at a market in northern Myanmar. A piece of amber about the size of a pink rubber eraser. One paleontologist uh, at China University of Geosciences in Beijing said something's inside here. This is not a plant, as the uh, salesman said. And as it turns out, it is the feathered tail of a baby dinosaur. And feathered being an important word in this conversation. Uh, So this research was published just this week, I believe, in the uh, journal Current Biology. Now, someone who is a co-author on this paper, and I'm sure very excited about this as well, very pleased to bring him on the line here today. This is Ryan McKellar, curator of Invertebrate Paleontology of the Royal Saskatchewan Museum. Ryan, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, congrats on the paper. This is getting a lot of attention. It's pretty exciting stuff. So how do you factor into the story? How did you become a part of this? Well, Lee Dezing, the lead researcher on the project who discovered the specimen in the marketplace, um, he contacted me based on some of the work that we had done in Canadian amber in the past, back in 2011. Uh, we'd worked on a, a series of isolated feathers from this Cretaceous deposit in Alberta, and he was familiar with our work and decided that he wanted some help with the feathers on this dinosaur tail. So he, yeah, and as, as I've read, he became convinced pretty quickly that that's what this seemed like, right? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so before the specimen came to Canada for photography and things like that, um, it was scanned using a CT scanner, and they were able to work out the details of the bones underneath the feathers and see that the um, bones weren't fused together into a solid rod like you see in modern birds and their relatives. So it was pretty obvious by that point that we're dealing with something special. Yeah, very special as it turns out. So um, it's a relatively small piece of amber, so obviously we're talking about a, a relatively small dinosaur, but what do we now know about this creature? Well, we get a, a feel for how the feathers attach to the tail, a little bit more detail on how the feathers are shaped and pigmented, and uh, this combines to an overall view where you actually get to like see the feathers on the body for the first time. Uh, the, the previous work has all been on these isolated feathers or... Um, dinosaurs trapped in sedimentary rocks like sandstones or shales where you get a thin film of carbon around the outside of the skeleton. But if, uh, if you're looking for feathers in that, they're overlapping and lacking detail. This brings it all into a clearer focus. It gives us the, the, the extra detail that we're missing and ties everything together. Right. So we've never really seen anything like this before. Is that right? No, it's a first. Um, so, yeah, we've had isolated feathers that we thought uh, came from dinosaurs, uh, but we've never been 100% sure. Now we can be sure. So in a way, this this confirms some of what we've known, but it also adds to our understanding of the evolution of of feathers, doesn't it? Certainly. So it provides uh, an example of a a sort of a bizarre feather type where the side branches are basically the dominant structures. They're fuzzy feathers. They don't have much of a central shaft. And this points to a particular pathway for feather evolution. Uh, And and that that maybe certain traits emerged uh, sooner than we think. 
Yes, potentially, or giving some insight as to why feathers have developed in the first place or what some of their initial uses might have been. So these aren't rigid flight feathers that would be good for flying or gliding necessarily. They're more sort of fuzzy. Um, they, they look like the uh, belly or chest feathers from something like a robin, um, but with frayed, fuzzy edges. But they're, they're colored, though. Oh, certainly. So right. the uh, underside of the tail would have had a pale or white color to it, and the top surface of the tail would have been sort of a, a chocolate brown color, and the, the feathers extend as thin sheets coming off the sides of the tail as opposed to being a fuzzy cattail sort of arrangement. So if, if this was a, a baby dinosaur, what would have changed as, as this dinosaur would have aged? Um, potentially the next set of feathers that came in at these like, feather growth sites or follicles might have been slightly different, although the shapes that we're seeing in the feathers that are there um, look to be adult feather types. They're not downy, uh, fluffy feathers like we see in chicks. Um, these are sort of semi-rigid um, but also fuzzy feathers that are adult-like in shape. Is it likely then that, that this was commonplace oh, uh, yes, amongst yeah, dinosaurs at the time? Yeah, it's something that the general public may not be aware of, but uh, since about 1996 or so, our understanding of feathered dinosaurs has improved greatly based on some of these compression fossils from places like the early Cretaceous rocks of China. And it's built an ever-growing picture of theropod dinosaurs, so these small bipedal carnivores, as being feathered or bristly during some, of, at least some of their life stages. Well... What the heck? There's been several Jurassic Park movies since 1996, Ryan. <laughs> we haven't seen many, many feathered dinosaurs. I guess it's just that's not what the public expects to see, but that would be a more accurate representation. Yes, yeah. Um, so if you think about dinosaurs as being the ancestors to modern birds, it only makes sense. Um, some people think that it sort of detracts from the scariness of dinosaurs, but I, I feel somewhat uncomfortable around uh, ostriches and emus. Nowadays, I couldn't imagine them with teeth. And I, I think having feathers on these animals adds another dimension to them. They're capable of things like signaling and camouflage or um, potentially flying and gliding and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I saw a quote from, from Lita Zing, uh, the other researcher here, saying, you know, his hope now, once, you know, and things calm down in certain parts of Myanmar, the opportunity to find more amber, he says, you know, his goal is to find an entire dinosaur cased in amber. That would be something. <laughs> Do you think that, think that's possible? Do you think it's likely? Yes, yeah, if we have small individuals, particularly some of these early life stages, the possibility is there. We've already seen within the last two years a set of a dozen uh, reptiles come out of this particular amber deposit. Wow. Um, earlier this year, Lee and I were involved in a study that described some bird wing fragments from bizarre toothed birds, the primitive birds, um, from this deposit. And now we're seeing scraps of dinosaur material as well. So I, I think it may be the tip of the iceberg. It's just a question of how quickly this and how consistently this uh, deposit is mined and whether this material winds up in research collections or disappears into private collections. Well, yeah, you wonder what happened. So obviously then this, this little bird would have been, or little dinosaur, I mean, was, was on the tree, gets, gets trapped by the resin. I mean, it's, it's easy to envision then it's just sort of rolling over the in, entire dinosaur. In this case, it just caught its tail, or maybe the rest of them was in another piece somewhere. Potentially, yeah. So that's one of the weird parts about dealing with commercial samples. We're never quite sure whether during the mining process or the preparation, the specimen's been trimmed down or we're missing the other half of it or something along those lines. So very likely we might have had more of the animal than we're actually seeing in this piece of amber. It's been polished to make a piece of jewelry or a sort of a, a curiosity item. And um, we, based on what we're seeing 
in the amber itself, it looks like this animal was probably buried while it was still alive or freshly dead. So there's probably much more of it that was in the amber originally. <laughs> in someone's necklace somewhere. Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, potentially. Uh, <laughs> one of the bird wings we worked on earlier this year was being prepared as a necklace. Um, they were about to drill a hole in it when Lita managed to get a hold of it. Wow. Unreal. Well, this is a fascinating discovery, as you say, first of its kind, and, and maybe more, more to come here. Ryan, uh, again, congrats on this, and thanks so much for joining us here today. We really appreciate this. Thank you for your interest in our work. All right, that's uh, Ryan McKellar, curator of Invertebrate Paleontology at the Royal Saskatchewan Museum. Uh, someone who has done a lot of research on the issue of amber inclusions and compositions. Just reading off the Royal Saskatchewan Museum website and Ryan's page, it says, I've adopted a three-pronged approach to the study of amber, examining amber inclusions, the chemical signatures of resins and ambers, and the stable isotopic composition of carbon and hydrogen within amber. These three aspects allow us to observe paleo forests and their inhabitants through time. So I guess if you've got something interesting in a piece of amber, maybe that's the guy you call. And that's what happened here. So this Alita Zing... A researcher, paleontologist from Beijing, and just happens to come across at a market in northern Myanmar, this piece of amber. And it is weird, because when you look at it, you see the tail, and then you see little fragments of whatever, something that looks kind of like an ant or a bug, and what he was told was a plant. But as this story says, as soon as Zing saw it, he knew it wasn't a plant. Says, I've studied paleontology for more than 10 years and have been interested in dinosaurs for more than 30 years. And I never expected we could find a dinosaur in amber. This may be the coolest find in my life. The feathers on the tail are so dense and regular. This is really wonderful. Yeah, it's uh, nicknamed Eva, a coolosaur, coolorosaur, coolorosaur. Uh, it says, closely related to iconic meat eaters, Tyrannosaurus rex, and Velociraptor. A pretty tiny, pretty tiny baby. Probably would have grown to be, as he said, the size of a large bird. But, yeah, that this would have been. Dinosaurs at the time would have been covered in feathers. If you went to watch a movie like Jurassic Park and all the dinosaurs came out all covered with feathers, you'd probably wonder why they've got feathers on these dinosaurs. What's wrong with this movie? Don't they know anything? But I think the public is slow to come around. As, as Ryan says, look, this is 20 years in paleontology, they've known this. And so what's exciting is this confirms a lot of that, but also tells them a lot new about uh, how these feathers evolved and, and the purpose and and how they, they changed. So really fascinating stuff. Listen, we'll take a quick break here. We're going to come back and a few other stories to get to. It's more time for your calls and your texts, 403-974-8255. We're back after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.